Hello there and welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. It is Thursday the 26th of November, beautiful wintry sunny day in Cheltenham in the west of England. Good frost last night. How are you? Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you as ever to the sponsors of the podcast as well. Local to me here in Cheltenham, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham around the corner in Montpellier in the courtyard there. Uh, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV. Serene AV, the sort of sister company uh, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, the franchise, but then Jason Briggs and his team have Serene AV to source other equipment and they are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out B&O of Cheltenham on Twitter and Instagram, active and particularly on the Instagram account, some cool videos of the latest Bang Olufsen equipment, headphones, etc. I love my B&O headphones, listening to podcasts and everything like that remotely as well or wirelessly, whatever the modern parlance is. Um, but yep, check out those guys. Thank you also to Cytoplan, food-based supplement company based in Welland, or based, sorry, in Hanley Swan, just on the outskirts of Malvern, uh, up the road from here. My father has been working as a consultant with them for 20 years or so, my father being a, a GP doctor and also a micronutritionist, former anaesthetist, and is very much a big advocate of them. We spend our own money on the supplements, so... Don't get them for free or anything like that. So we could get a discount, but firmly believe in them. Uh, so if you want some money off as well from cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, go to their website and the discount code is Draper10R has changed. D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero, and then the capital letter R. So that number that letter R has been added from the previous discount code. Um, and immune complete, actually, if you're thinking about optimizing immunity, whether it's COVID in mind or just the regular winter coughs and colds, is one that they've newly released and I'm taking and enjoy that. I'm taking Immune Complete 2, which is the version for adult men. Immune Complete 1 is for children and women who uh, are still menstruating. Uh, Post-menstrual women should go for Immune Complete 2, I believe. But you can check that out on the website, get all the information there. Okay, well, thank you for hitting on the button, and uh, thanks again to the uh, Erica Band, local band to me in Gloucestershire, for the jingle there at the start of the podcast. Check out Erica Band online as well, Spotify and YouTube, some fantastic songs, real rocky, uh, edgy, energetic band, really like them and uh, like their sound a lot. Uh, podcast today, really fascinating one. It was spawned by an article that I read uh, with a local journalist, John Palmer, interviewing Chris Hussey who is currently the left wing back for Cheltenham Town, previously at Sheffield United, Bury, played for a number of clubs, including Coventry City, started out at Woking as a youngster, and then AFC Wimbledon. But he's uh, been beset, he's kind of opened up and said he's been beset by anxiety and insomnia during that period. And unbelievably, when he was playing at a high level, playing really well, uh, not sleeping hardly at all uh, on sleeping drugs and, and things like that. So it's, it's fascinating to l- listen to him and how he's coped and how he's adjusted and now how he's got a degree in sports science despite leaving school without without high school without any qualifications and now um, zeroing in on potentially a master's in psychology as well to become a, a football psychotherapist or psychologist working in clubs is his, his long-term aim to help people deal with anxiety and the sense of pressure you feel in having to perform as a professional sports person. So here he is, really uh, fascinating guy, inspirational guy, Chris Hussey. And we're recording. Chris Hussey, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Ed. Yourself? Yeah, I'm well. We were just talking about beforehand that we're both a bit sore. I haven't done anything, but you played football last night for Cheltenham, so you got more of an excuse. 
Yeah. How uh, was it? But, you know, we, we we played well, so you know they never really looked like scoring, to be honest. You know. Yeah. But yeah. As I said, you know, our goal was out off the time, so it was like forty-five minutes plus four. I think we scored in, I don't know, forty-nine and a half minutes or something like that, and and their goal was the same. They they scored more than the added time given, so football always evens itself out, doesn't it? It does. It does. Is that a weird thing you've seen during the path of your career that? Football typically now is like 96 or 97 minutes, even more in the Premier League, isn't it, with VAR? But it doesn't seem to be anywhere close to 90. Yeah, it's just, you know, just one of them things where, and I think, you know, Gaffer talks about uh, football in you nothing, but we'll always pay you back. So, you know, one week we might get, I don't know, a goal disallowed, but then the next week we'll get a penalty. So it'll always sort of pay you back. So you always work in credit as such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how is life at Cheltenham though for you and for the team? It seems like things are, are bubbling along nicely despite the pandemic. Yeah, and, and it's it's been good. You know, it's 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 not it's affected us, but you know, there's many there's many people that it's affected way more. The only difference is is that we're you know not playing in front of a crowd. Uh, yeah, but we're going along nicely as you know as the results have shown. Is a team spirit, is that even more key at the moment, do you feel, without the crowd to cheer you on, that having that good good atmosphere between you guys is, is important? I think so, and I think that's with, with anything as well. I think you need to be a cohesive unit because everybody needs each other. You mm. know, we rely on eight on the pitch. So, you know, our team spirit's always been really good, you know, especially since the gaffers. Since the gaffers come in, he's a big, puts a big emphasis on that. Uh, mm. Tries and keeps everybody together whether you're training or, or, or not, you know, he, he, their main focus is keeping the group together. And I think that's key. Mm. You know, we've got a lot of, we've got a few uh, things we do on a Friday, you know, about the lads coming together. So yeah, it's, it, it's key if you want to achieve anything, I think. Yeah. That's really interesting. You said that. And it's, I've spoken to Will Boyle a couple of times and he's been on the, the podcast. I met him up at Cheltenham's training ground. And he, he says that even when he's been out of the side, that Michael Duff's been really clear with him and good communicator. Is that something that you've found that's been, that's been good about your time at Cheltenham under Michael? That he, he does seem to try and include everyone, not just the starting 11. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think that's important because it can be lonely when you're injured, you know, you, you, you're training away from people, you're, you know, you're in a bit earlier. You don't have enough. T- you don't have a lot of time really to sort of socialise as such because you're always doing extra sessions. But as and when it's possible, he, he tries and keeps everybody together, which is I think you can see that in the in in our performances. You know, from one to eleven, we all we all trust each other. Yeah, no, fa- fantastic. And as, and ha- as, I, as I said before, you, you you always need your mate on the pitch. You can't win a game individual. You can't one man can't. Well, he can if he scores a screamer, but <laughs> I mean, you need 11 players to help us out, help yeah. you out. Yeah, I suppose you've got some interest. How about playing wing back? That's quite an interesting role for you. you enjoy oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, tough. It's, it's tough. It's the old graveyard. It's flipping up and down. You're a winger, then you're a left back. Yeah. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. Um, sorry, Ed. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. My mum was telling me about the game yesterday. Is she was she watching? Was she online? Just checking, checking so, out. Yeah, yeah, my mum, my dad. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. No worries. Are they down in London? Yeah. Are they? Still? Are they down in Hammersmith? Are they? Where are they? Yeah, going? yeah, that's, yeah. My mum's in Shepherd's Bush. Okay, yeah. They're all still there. Um, yeah. So yeah. Good man. My mum, my mum's side of the family is from Holland Park and, and sort of Ealing no as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah so that's yeah. Like that, that part of the world very familiar so yeah yeah exactly yeah cool Oh, good. But, but yeah, but sort of that, that wing-back role, you mentioned the sort of the, the doggies and how much do you, do you rely on the left centre-half as well in terms of that relationship? And is that Will Boyle at the moment? Is he playing there? Yeah, that's Boyle, yeah. Boyle, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's hard and, you know, especially in that position sometimes, it's a specialised position. Yeah. I, I think because obviously playing left-back, you can sort of pick and choose when you want to join in, whereas mm. in that position... If you can get the fullback, go and get the fullback. If you can't, stay in your five. And it's a very demanding position, but it's one that I enjoy. I've, I've got five or six assists already. Um, awesome. One I last think. night, was it? Did you get an assist last night? I don't know how it counts. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can. But, you know, I'm, I'm setting up. I see a stat the other day. My old man sent me a stat the other day that I've, uh, I've created um, as, a, as a defender created the most chances in the league 27 chances awesome that's one so, yeah that's that's pretty impressive i mean that stats has, that's come into it the last 10 years hasn't it i guess during oh, your career because people didn't even talk about assists before it was more of like a basketball term but we've, we've definitely yeah. brought it into football yeah exactly no exactly they're, they're important i think stats don't lie they're facts do you know what i mean mm. it, that they that they are what they are it's and i've always sort of sort of prided myself on assists and, and not getting beat 1v1. Um, if I can get more crosses in than the opposite player I'm playing against, I've done my job. And I mm. think more, more often than not, I do do that. Um, so, yeah, one that I'm enjoying, Ed, and long may it continue. Good man. Is your crossing improved since you're playing wing-back? Do you feel like you get more opportunity to cross? Um, like? Playing wing-back, if you play against a 5, a 3-5-2, you're basically running up and down against someone, so it's, you don't <laughs> get much space. Yeah. But if they're if they're a four, it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit bit easier because mm. you can find space in between the right back and the right winger. But as I said, when it's a five, and most of the time I've got some got a player running up and down against me holding my hand, so I can't really do much. <laughs> yeah, like do- yeah, you say doggy, he's just trying to see who's the, who's the fittest person at the end of the day, which yeah, exactly. is really impressive. That at thirty-one, you're still you're still careering up and down there. But you, congratulations, Renaud, uh-huh. because you got your sports science degree and. Um, yeah. Was that partly in mind of, I guess it sounds crazy because you're a very young man by anyone else's standards. Well, but I don't get... feel it. <laughs> but when you get to that age, I suppose that's the life of a professional sports person, right? You have to start thinking about what might be next, I suppose. Is a degree exactly. part of that? Yeah, exactly. That. And, and that, that you've hit the nail on the, the head there, and it's like, <clears throat> I started it, what, four and a half years ago, four or five years ago? Yeah. And I just thought... I didn't do well at school and I, I weren't interested and I thought, wow, will I even be able to do this? Mm. You know, even, I just thought, wow, I'm like a fish out of water here. But I thought, I've got nothing to lose. If I do it, I do it. If I don't, at least I can say I've gave it a go because I don't want to, you know, when you're a bit older, you're in the pub and you think, oh, I have a bit <laughs> of regrets. I think, oh, I wish I would have done that. I, I, I don't want to live with any regrets. So I sort of just gave yeah. it a go. Obviously, started, started off okay picked it up along the way and, and obviously you know I've learned along the way a degree how to write properly how to research mm. and then I ended up with a first class and if you would have told me five years ago I'll get a first class degree in exercise and sports science <laughs> I would have said you're mad because at the beginning I was like I would have been buzzing with a 2-2 yeah uh, oh mate that's so good first, so yeah brilliant so you have to get over, was it over 70% for a first? Is it still that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 70%. I think it is at 60, uh, I think it's over 69%, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. I ended up yeah. getting 70, overall I got 75. 
Mate, that's a, that is impressive. I got uh, I ended up with a two one. I got sixty eight percent at Loughborough, but I did English and English and sports science. So it's a very, but the sports science was um, probably very similar. Actually, probably more advanced yeah. than what, what you're doing. But I yeah. suppose is that did it help you understand the physiology of football more as well? And the kind yeah. of understanding of training massively, and it's it's good because you can relate to it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. yeah. Like loads of stuff you, you do. Like I don't know, for example, biomechanics. It's like how you run, how you move forces velocity physiology how the body works how the muscles contract slide in filament theory yeah and psychology which was one that really i really took to um, yeah and i was brilliant at it and i just delved into it and my final year project was actually on psychology it was called uh psychological predictors of injury in ah. male professional sport because obviously i suffered a few injuries and yeah yeah I thought physios used to tell me, not tell me, but I sort of had, you know, I struggled with anxiety, mm. uh, stress, um, yeah, OCD, and it insomnia was, as well, didn't you? That was yeah, I wasn't yeah. sleeping great, and it was getting injured quite a bit, and um, could it be to do with my psychological state? Yeah, um, yeah. Research says that it can predict injury. It does have an influence on injury, which I found interesting because I could sort of relate to. Really? So what, do you think it was the sort of fatiguing effect of the stress well, or was it actually the, ten the tension that you bring into it maybe? Uh, well, with anything, must, injuries can be from overuse, uh, you know, something not firing properly, biomechanical issue, physiological issue, if you've got a tear in there. But why have you got a tear? Is something not firing? Is something weak? Yeah. Where and it's shown that stress and anxiety can cause the muscles to tighten. And yeah. it can, say, for example, I'm, going, I'm doing rehab, but I'm not in a good state of mind. I'm not doing it properly. Mm. You know, it, it, the technique might be wrong and it, it doesn't help. And stress, you know, yeah. anxiety. So, say, for example, I jump up for a header. Yeah. Um, I might not be concentrating properly, might land awkwardly or someone coming in for a slide tackle. You misjudge it because when, you have, when you're anxious, you get peripheral narrowing. Really? And if you get peripheral narrowing, you, you might not see the man coming in the side for the slide tackle. Mm. And interesting enough, Ed, there was one as well called daily hassles and uplifts. So yeah. a hassle, a daily hassle, I don't know. You have an argument with your missus. Or an <laughs> you, might, you might get married or you had a good day or something positive has happened. Yeah. You could, take your mind subconsciously it can affect uh, yeah. it can increase your chance of injury because you imagine as i said before you go to pass a ball you, yeah. you've had a bad day the anxiety comes you, you get peripheral now and then you miss the ball and you kick the floor and your ankle gets done or something and it does yeah wow that's but, but life affect i mean my job is working as a tv presenter i have that when i've been for auditions or screen tests that if i've had a argument with my wife or something it's often not gone well and it, it, you kind yeah. of aren't you aren't thinking it at the time, but it, it's fatiguing as well, stress, isn't it? That's the thing about 100%, it. 100%, yeah. And, and, and if, you know, like me, if I had a bad day, it's sometimes I won't be able to get it. All I'll be able to think about is what's happened. Yeah. But like, it got to a point where I was playing a game and I was at Sheffield United and Barry, where I weren't sleeping at all. And wow. I'll be worrying, all I'll be thinking about whilst I'm playing, Ed, is... Is the door shut? Is the gas on? Is the missus all right? Oh, man. Yeah. But you can imagine 
how yeah. hard that must be. Whereas I'm playing a game in front of at Bramall Lane, there was like 25,000, 20,000 people. Yes. And I'm not even there. I'm there, yeah. but I'm not there. It's mad. You know? it, can be, it can be circular as well, can't it? In the sense that when you get stressed, you start worrying about those things, so you're less likely to sleep. And then the lack of sleep produces more stress. The times exactly. in my life when I've been under the pump, in some ways, I find it hardest to, to relax and to sleep. Yeah. And I think it's just, man, you're spot on there, Ed. I think it's, it's all about having coping mechanisms. And along the, along the way, you know, everybody has their struggles. And that's why... I was reluctant to speak out because I didn't want it to be uh, a sob story, you know? Yeah. But it's a coping, it's a coping, mate, you're playing well in League Two. Like you say, you, I yeah. think the article said you're one of the most, you know, respected left backs, left wing backs in the, in the division at Leeds 1 and 2, I think. And, yeah. Yeah. and you played at Sheffield United. So I think for you to say it, and you're, it's not like you're sat in a hole kind of writing letters to us. You're actually functioning yeah. in everyday life. Do you know what I mean? You're actually, yeah. you're doing it and it's, it's learning how to adapt and it, it, come, it almost comes down to just I, I think from the times when my best my best friend died when I was at Loughborough actually and I didn't sleep uh-huh. I was doing my finals yeah. and no yeah. no worries stop it. it's just trying to relate to it and I've had times in my yeah. life I think people are good sleepers and not good sleepers and my wife's a very good sleeper and my yeah. daughter's more my daughter's more like me despite yeah. having all the love and comfort in the world she'll have nights where she just can't sleep and actually yeah um, it's then sort of just managing that and you have to sort of be more preemptive, don't you, about how you live and, and how you function and, and how you sort of approach things that other people can do. Like some people can have a coffee at nine o'clock at night and stuff and maybe yeah, I can't, I you know. Do that. I'll be wired, I'll be up all night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's, but I think it's, it's really positive that you're spreading that message because people look at a professional footballer and it's funny because you say, you know, I didn't know I could do a degree, but for most of us, that was the dream growing up as a young boy in England was you want to be, yeah. you want to be a footballer so for us it's like wow you know you you've, you're living that dream and I think for you to say that it's been a, a struggle because I can't really get my head around the fact you said when you're at Bury you were you're barely sleeping because that must be and setting you up for injury I don't know how you're how you, you know how are you functioning then on the pitch oh, I don't know I was addicted to sleeping tablets and how strange is this you ain't gonna believe this mm. I set up 19 goals that season wow and do you remember? Got, do you remember it? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and football football's like a release for me. It's yeah. like just playing in front of a crowd, training. That's the only time where I'm sort of present. Free recently, the last couple of years. Whereas before, I'll be at training, not worrying about stuff like the gas, etc. But the last, I think, since I've come to Cheltenham, I've I've settled. Um, I've got a little girl now things have got mm. a little easier and I'm sort of don't get me wrong I've have everyone has bad days and you have bad times it's just the release what what is my release and my release is football and you, as you can imagine it's always been football but imagine you, your release is now because was getting intruded by these thoughts I just never had a release yeah. So you, so you, so you, you weren't, you weren't even just completely immersed in a game. You're at a point in a game no. where you're, you're thinking about all, all different things, not, not yeah. just where the right wing back or the right winger is. Yeah. So mm. I won't be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a word when you're in the moment. Oh, I forgot the Pre- name. present, present, immer- yeah, immersed. There, there, in there, it, there's, yeah. a, there's more science. Yeah, there is a word for it. Yeah. Something similar. You're not present, mm. and uh, you're not in the moment. And I had to go to to to, to classes to get in the moment. Yeah, I forgot what the words called. It will come to me. Was that yeah. mind, mindful meditation? Mindfulness. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Go to like mindfulness classes to be in the moment, mm. and you know, as the years have gone on, that's that's got better. You know, and and and, and now 
football. I love, I enjoy going into training. You can ask anyone. I work hard. <laughs> yeah, well, work Michael Duff said to me, he loves you. I think, you know, last year, I remember, he was a massive fan of you when he first started. I mentioned you to him. So I gave you a man in the match award in a losing game when I was down in Cheltenham having a dinner. And, yeah, I remember, uh, yeah. I came onto the pitch and you had a, you had a stony face because you just lost the game and I had to give you this award. I was like, oh man, the poor, poor, <laughs> poor guy. Is that, yeah. But they said you could only pick a Cheltenham player. You played really well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so, but that was, I remember that and you, were, you had a really good game then. And I think Michael was, was always a big fan of yours. So that's, that's yeah. good that it's, it's worked out. Yeah, no, it's been brilliant. Uh, you know, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest. <clears throat> where, where did the lack of mindfulness start for you? Because I've got a wandering mind as well. I think people, a lot of it's, people do. Uh, an incident happened there about... <clears throat> there's always one incident that happened about eight, nine years ago. Mm. And when someone would say to me, oh, I'm anxious or I'm stressed, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm. Like, well, what are you going on about? No, it was like, it didn't exist for me. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know anyone. Didn't understand it, and I was like 20, 20, 20 21 at the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, an incident happened, and then all the problems started coming. Then it was I was getting anxious, not sleeping. I was stressed, as I was thinking. I was yes. getting obsessive, which is obsessive is like uh, when you get obsessive, it's like a coping mechanism yeah. to try and get your brain into feeling safe. Mm. So mm. it's like I wasn't, I was struggling, mate, to be honest. And then you know I didn't know what to do. I was playing professional football. I, didn't really want to speak out and I, mm. and I and I didn't speak out and it's the only time I spoke out was about literally a mo- two weeks ago publicly yeah. anyway and I was just dealing with it myself that uh, was the piece was that the piece with John Palmer then did he know that you were going to yeah. say that when you spoke to him or did you sort of just um, decide to to open up he he I don't think he knew to be honest he no no he wouldn't have known because I've never told no one so yeah. he wanted to speak to me about my degree and then ah. obviously I opened up about the struggles, you know, you could even imagine how hard it was to do the degree because once I got stressed about something, yeah, it was, or it was so difficult to concentrate and try and read and the information stay in. But then it's like a two-edged sword. Mm. When I get anxious, I get obsessed, and when I don't know nothing, I get, or when I'm not good at something, I get obsessional about it. Yeah, so, so, so it's hard to sit down and focus it. on it, but you can't not think about it in a way. Yeah, yeah. and then essentially. I'll end up getting really good at it. So if I'm not really good at something, I'll get really good at it. So for example, I when I was uh, coming up through, I got bought for Coventry. I, I didn't enjoy defending, didn't really like my 1v1 defending, didn't enjoy it. Mm. And that's always sort of been a little bit of my Achilles heel. Really? So from since I was at Sheffield United, basically, I took it serious. And I ended up, I, you can ask anyone at Cheltenham, I do them every day. <laughs> Yeah, do remember was that, was that under Chris? Was that under Chris Wilder? Then did he change? Yeah, you? yeah, under Chris Wilder. Yeah, and then from ever then, I always, always get good at them. I, I always do them every day. I keep on top of them, little bits and often. And you can ask anyone, the boys. I do it every day. Boys take the take the yeah. mickey out of me for doing it every day. But what's the you bit know. that you what's the bit that you didn't like about marking someone or trying to tackle? Was it the, the it's tackling? one defending? You, you yeah. know, when people have flaws, you don't really want to do it. Yes, so you try and avoid it, don't you? Yeah, and you can imagine on a football pitch you're basically playing disabled because if if if, if you're going out there for a one v one defence and you don't get out there, yeah, you, you're telling your mind, oh, nah, that's dangerous. Don't want to get out there. But then you need to get out there because that's your job. Yes. So yeah. confronting that fear and doing it every day, every day, every day, every day, and as you can see in my performances, mm. very rarely someone gets past me because I feel no. comfortable. I've done well, it that you- much. 
you're that's big and str- you're big and strong. You seem aggressive. It's surprising yeah. that you. But then people, you never know what people's sort of internally what they're kind of um, self conscious about, do you? That's the interesting thing about life. Exactly. And I think yeah, if I have any flaw or any doubt in my mind, I'll go and I'll speak to the gaffer or I'll go and work on it because no one's not going to get any better by not working on it. You know what I mean? Right. If you have a weakness, don't avoid it because yeah. it's just going to get worse. Was it, the fo- was it the focus on the man or is it the, the actual tackling, the execution? Just in, general, I, just in general, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. Didn't yeah. enjoy it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't really take it serious. Just wanted to go forward all the time because yeah. I enjoyed it and I knew I was good at it. It's not that I didn't want to do it. it no. It's more the fact that I weren't very good at it. And that becomes more of a responsibility coming back from the championship down. As it increasingly, yeah. English football gets more physical, it seems, as you, as you drop down the, the league. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly that. And it got to a point, Ed, where I was at a turning point in my career where I needed to fuck up my ideas, really, and I needed to sort this Achilles heel out. And, mm. you know, I have. You know, I'm, 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 I know it's going to sound big-headed. I know I'm one of the best left-backs in League Two and, 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 and League One. I know Is that, that. But that's important, though, isn't it, to, to, to have that confidence? When, you, when you've earned the confidence, like, it's not like you're walking into a job you've never done before, like being an RAF pilot and saying, I'm a great yeah. pilot. You're actually doing it because you've proved to yourself that you can do it, right? That's the difference when, 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 when confidence is sincere and, and deeply held. Yeah, perfect. And I think even with any job, I mean, like your job, Ed, you know, you're mm. brilliant at what you do. You, you, you've got to have a bit of confidence because otherwise you're going to doubt yourself all the time. You're yeah. not going to be at your best, you know? So I, I, I don't shout out about it, but, you know, I do my work and let my football do the talking. I'm a big believer on that note, sort of talking about my work, that, that we have aptitudes that when we're younger, we sort of realise what we're good at and what potentially we're not good at. But it still takes thousands and thousands of hours of work. And actually, for me, you know, I know that I have to improve and get better. But for me, like doing broadcast journalism and, and media generally was like, this makes sense for what my skill set was. I liked English. I liked communicating. But for yeah. me, the, big, the biggest challenge is my wife ribs me about this all the time because obviously I, I quite enjoy and have got used to enjoy, to doing public speaking and stuff but it wasn't always yeah. it wasn't always the way but I just felt that it was something I could explore and exploit my sort of I guess what I, what I had in terms of what I've been given but yeah. then but then you know things like and she'll laugh because her dad is really good at DIY he's a fantastic mechanic yeah. I am the worst I cannot see how anything works together. I've learned the last couple of years to change, to, to change a fuse, to do simple things, paint rooms, you know, do things properly. Yeah. And actually, it's still really hard for me. I get stressed by it in a weird sort yeah. of way because I had this association with it, like you say, of being a weakness of mine that I wanted yeah. to cover up. But actually, you get to an age when you think, and maybe, I don't know if you've had this, becoming a dad, I was like, hang on, I need to be a bit more rounded here because I need to be yeah. a bit of a role model here. So I think, maybe, yeah. I don't know if you found that, that actually I need to, need to get my weaknesses in, in hand a little bit. Yeah, uh, and that's setting good examples, isn't it, for your children? Because if again, if they're struggling with something, yeah, you know, the only way to get better at that something is practice and mm. and, and do it. And you know, as I said, as as I'm with you, you know, with the DIY, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I, get so I think I, gen- I generate. Well, I'm a, bit, oh. I'm a few years a few years older than you, but I think our generation sort of missed out on it a bit, didn't we? Like, we, yeah, I don't no, know. Yeah. My, this is mad. My missus does more than me, mate. She bangs pictures up. Yes. Yeah, she paints. I ain't got a clue, Ed. I get yeah. a handyman around if it was me. I still, no. I've got a handyman called David. He does most of my bits and bobs because I yeah. ain't got a clue. 
Well, my wife, yeah, she, she can put stuff up. She can use a level and all this stuff that her dad taught yeah. her. And, and I think with my dad, he'd get really frustrated with me. So we didn't ever, I didn't ever learn yeah. that, that, that pattern, whereas she did, actually. And she's very calm, my wife. So it's interesting. Yeah. She's very, very patient with it. And it's, it's interesting. But I think you just have to, you think, oh, I can get better. I'm, not, I'm never going to be a carpenter. Yeah, you're never going to be brilliant. But, but I can know. be better. I can be functional, you know, which I think is, get, uh, is the key. You get given tools, don't you? God yeah. gives you tools and you're born with tools. You just make yeah. the best of the tool set that you get. And you see it in kids. You see it in my daughter and yeah. her friends. They're all good at different things. You see it early that there's, there's definite like aptitudes, I think. It's, it's and and that, that, that's brilliant that you've come from not being so confident, as you said yourself, to doing public speaking to now. You think about it and you speak to millions of people a week. And yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's. That's pressure. That's more pressure than playing football. Mm. I, well, I don't. I don't know. But I felt because I, I had a big problem going to trials when I was a kid, and you pros will always say, "Oh, everyone's always had a trial or whatever." And I know it's a cliche yeah. about about that. But I remember like being the the fun really going out of football is you know when I was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and trying to get into teams, and it, it just I lost the joy for it. And then actually rediscovered it at Loughborough. I played up to the seconds. We had seven teams and. It was just a good camaraderie because you're playing with lads at the same age and it was, yeah. it was nice. And then since then, I'll play five a side. I'll do anything for just the love of playing. And I think it got lost somewhere. In the pressure, like the, the mindset of playing, and I was just overly thinking about being evaluated, not actually in the, in the, in the moment. I think it was called evaluation apprehension or something. But yeah. then I took that into, into my career and actually thought, well, look, you know, at times I've been really stressed, but it, it, you have to enjoy it. And actually, a lot of it comes down to repetition, doesn't it? If you do things yeah. enough, you get better. And I always say that to young, young, young journalists now. I say, well, you've got smartphones. That's a positive that you can record yourself. You can read a bulletin, practice it. You can um, do a match report or game report and, and voice it to yourself. And it's not quite the same as doing it on radio or TV, but there are opportunities now to just get the reps in because that's, I think, so yeah. important in life. It's just time and, and, and energy, isn't it? Is, is that what they do at Sky Sports? Do you have like, um, they do like apprenticeships for like Sky Sports News or do they take young people on and, and gradually build them up or? There's different routes because I came through sort of doing different local radios and I worked at BBC London for a while actually in different, different radios, worked at Absolute Radio and that was kind of a, a, a development point. And then I was doing stuff, online bulletins at Sky. We used to put Sky Sports News bulletins on the website and actually, yeah. so just reading autocue, so you hone that skill. But then I think they do now where we have uh, junior sort of producers come through and then they get an opportunity to, to see how they feel in front of the camera to there's, there's sort of studios you can go into and practice reading autocue because autocue is a classic example. If you're good yeah. at reading, you should be good at that eventually, but you just need to sit in there and, and read through loads of scripts until the point yeah. where, you know, it sounds weird, but reading and talking at the same time is yeah. becomes normal. And I think it does yeah. for, for most people, but there will be some people who just do not like doing that. So that's just, you yeah. know, it, it won't, it would no, it'd be no point in them doing it. And I think you sometimes see people on TV who have been really successful careers, but don't always look like they enjoy it, which I always find curious. I think maybe they thought it was a, a glamorous job. And you must come across footballers like that, the people who actually are good at football, but maybe don't necessarily enjoy it that much. Yeah. You come across, there's always a couple in there, you know, and, and, I, and I'll be honest, I was, I was one of them where I was having a tough time. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really enjoy it. Um, because obviously all the stuff that I was going through off the pitch and it was becoming more of a slog. It, it, it was becoming very difficult to function every day. Yeah. Um, let alone go to work and try and play football in front of thousands of people. Yeah. As you can imagine, that that would have took the fun out of it. It was yeah. become function every day was difficult. You know, even just having a conversation with someone, 
I'll be there, but I won't be there. Mm. It will be like, I'd imagine it sounds like a little rat in my head or someone just chatting away at me. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't have a clue what the person's saying because I'll just be listening to the, the, the part of the brain that... The internal, internal monologue, is it? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and it, it didn't become fun. It become, it, it become a bit of a struggle. You know, and, I, and then now I look back now and I think, well, understandably so, that you didn't enjoy it. And, and mm. if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to play your best. And, you know, I now I, I do enjoy... <clears throat> I do enjoy playing the games on a Saturday and a Tuesday. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I do enjoy that. And I do enjoy going in, working hard. It may not look like it because every day I'm, you know, sometimes I'm quite, it's quite moody, quite, quite subtle, <laughs> keep myself, myself a bit. But that may be just because I've had a bad night or, or, yeah. or you know, people never know what's going on. But well, how, how's the sleeping with the baby as well? You've got an 18 month old. How, how's yeah, she? She, she's, she sleeps like a log to be fair. She's wow. That's good. That's good. She's from like seven till, Six forty-five, seven. Oh, mate, result. That's good. That's really good. So yeah, she's she, she's doing all right. Yeah, that saves you the kind of professional athlete thing that I know that men and women have said to me that it's difficult when you become a parent because you have to almost say to your partner, you you deal with the middle of the night stuff, don't you? Because you have to yeah. you have to what, physically yeah. physically be your body is your is your living. So it's that yeah. becomes a challenge, I think, when you become a parent. Sometimes if you have a baby that's not sleeping well. Yeah, I'm a miss, my, my, and you know my missus has been great. You know, she does most of it, to be fair, um, especially, you know, in the night stuff. But, you yeah. know, it, that's, what, that's what, you know, it's, it's difficult because when, you, when your missus is doing that, she wakes up tired and then, you know, mm. sometimes I feel a bit guilty that she's had to do it all. Yeah, because you've got to go to training then as well, haven't you? So you can't yeah, be... I've got to go to training. She's yeah. got to stay at home. And to be honest, Ed, Looking after the little one who's 18 months old who sprints around everywhere. <laughs> it's a difficult it's, age. No? Yeah. It is so much hard work. She's constant up and down. She wants to yeah. grab you, go outside, run around. Got no, sen no sense of safety at that age though, right? Because no. they just want to charge into a road or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't care, yeah. Flies around. It's hard work. That. Yeah. It's like a full-time job, that. Yeah, absolutely is. It absolutely is. I think it's, it's really challenging. It's interesting what you said about education, actually, about how I think you left school with one GCSE in, in music, wasn't it? I think I read in the, yeah. in the piece. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, now you've enjoyed doing a degree, which is obviously a, intellectually a lot more challenging. Do you think yeah. that was a problem with school? Because I think this, when I did my master's in journalism, I suddenly started enjoying it in my early 20s. Whereas before, even through my degree, I think there'd been this pressure of just get a grade, get to the next level, you know, you yeah. have to get through. Where I think actually we, we forgot that what we knew at primary school, that learning could be fun. Like you said, going back to learning a skill, it could have been a lot more fun, I think, secondary school, looking back. Yeah. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because you, you're, you're forced to go, but you're not forced. You, you, you have to go to school. Yeah. And I think whenever someone tells you you have to do it, some people rebel, some mm. people don't enjoy it. Some people are just not academically there. And that was no. me. But then later on, I, I took the decision to do that. So it was on me, you know, it was on my terms. Yeah. That's when I sort of realised and, and the penny sort of dropped and I've got to do something after. So let me have a look at what I can do. Mm. And I just gave it a go. And here I am today with a first class honours degree, which is crazy, really. I think your brain develops as well, doesn't it? And actually, if you feel a bit calm, yeah. that, that helps with learning as well. Whereas at school, maybe you, you, know, you feel a bit frantic as a, teen, a teenage lad. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you get easily get influenced when you're that age, don't you? You want to be 
cool yeah. people or you, you want, you know what I mean? It's, I was, uh, you, you always want, everyone wants to be a footballer and you think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's all I'm going to do. And, and, and I was one of the lucky ones that I actually did become one. Whereas, you, you were fitting carpets when you were a kid, weren't you? For a yeah, bit, was, my, right? old yeah. Man, my old man fits carpets and <clears throat> I helped them out a little bit, you know, like when we was off for like six weeks and stuff. Yeah. Six week break. And I said, nah, I can't do this. This is too <laughs> hard, this. Did that yeah. make you appreciate football, though? Do you look back at those days? Is that a good inspiration when yeah, you had it, tough it, times? Yeah, it was because you, you're in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're doing this or you're doing something else. You, you've got to do something. So what do you want to do? Yeah. In, you, 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 you have to sort of... I always had that drive to be something or someone because mm. where I grew up was, was, wasn't great. Mm. Um, and I looked around at the struggles and I thought, I, I, I need better than this. I need to be, I, I need to do something that's going to mm. sort of get me out of it. And yeah. um, that pushed me, that drove me. Um, Did you try yeah. and get into QPR? Was that the local club for you? Did you yeah, I tried and... to get in there. Do you know, funny enough, I had a trial with them. I didn't turn up one of the days. I think my dad couldn't take me because he had work and it was the last day before they made the decision. Okay. And uh, my mate, uh, he lives, my mate Pete, who lives five doors down, who was obviously <laughs> we were best friends. He yeah. got in and I didn't, I didn't go to the last day. Oh man. Did Pete uh, go on and play for them then? Or? No, 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 no. Pete, he just, he just did up to under 16s. This was oh, like okay. under 14s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So were you a QPR fan growing up? Was that the team yeah. you supported? Yeah. Yeah, it was QPR because they were local, but I loved Chelsea. Oh, okay. That's a, yeah. bit, of a, that's a bit of a controversial yeah. Sort of a yeah, choice. Yeah, QPR, I could see the stadium from my mum's. Yeah. Um, and QPR, a Premier League team when you were obviously growing up as well, weren't they? They were. I tell you when, because they went through the divisions, weren't they? When I was a bit younger, they were, I think they were like league equivalent to League One. Wow. Like Division Two, is it? Yeah. Premiership Division One, Division Two, when Pete, Peter Crouch was playing for them. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember Peter Crouch playing for them. But you, but do you remember Les Ferdinand, Ray Wilkins, Andy Sinton, uh, that, that team? No, uh, they were way before. Yeah. My, my, I used to go and watch them when uh, Richard Langley, you heard of him? Yeah, yeah. Richard Langley used to play for him. Peter Crouch was up front. Uh, who oh, else okay. was Jane Darleton used to be right so back. So this, this was sort of late 90s, was it, probably? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that a great. I mean, Les Ferdinand was one of the best strikers in the, the Premier League history. He was amazing. What, what, what era was that? So that would have been mid 90s. And they had a guy called Andy Sinton who played for England. They had Impey, who was a right winger. Uh, Darren Peacock, who also played for Newcastle, long, long haired centre half, who was at the back. Yeah. Um, but they had a, a good, good attacking team. And they had like a, a Ray Wilkins was at his veteran stage just before he got into coaching and management. He was sort of anchoring the midfield and spray, spraying, yeah, spraying the ball away. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting that it's sort of like where, how clubs ebb and flow. Um, yeah. How did you find it up at Sheffield United then? Because I guess were you frustrated to leave that level of football, particularly obviously they're in the Premier League now. But were you? Yeah. How did you? How did you view your time there and, and moving on? But when I first went there, <clears throat> I thought, here we go. Sort of no disrespect to Berry or you know Burton or FC Wimbledon. I, I, I left yeah. Coventry. They were in the Championship. Played 70 yard games for them, um, mm. and I thought, right, here we go, kick on again now. You're a massive club in the league, and you got a real chance to get going again. Yeah, so that summer, um, I split up with my partner who's 
I'm with now. Oh, okay. Um, when up there, I thought, like, yes, I still can make it work. It's only, you know what I mean? These things happen. Mm. Went up there. <clears throat> um, great city, great club. Um, it, was, it, it was brilliant. Started yeah. off pre-season, started off, started off well, and then just struggled just mentally with, with, all, with all the stuff that happened previously, all sort of. So this ties, this ties into your thesis, doesn't it? University, I suppose, in a sense, the, the effect of the outside world on your, yeah. on your, your sport performance and, and, and injury. Yeah. That, yeah. And, 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 and I'll touch on the injury a bit in the air there because it, what you say is there's a good correlation um, with, with what my thesis was. So mm. then I, you know, split with my partner. It didn't work out. I'm struggling off the pitch. You know, weren't enjoying it at all. Got injured weren't involved, got injured again. So basically I went there, started off well, mm. struggled off the pitch mentally, got injured, was out for a year basically. Didn't get back till two weeks to the end of that season. Yeah. Come back pre season. Um this around twenty twenty seventeen was it? This was around so I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you know that season I was injured, I couldn't get fitted. Couldn't mm. get fit for love or money. I had my adductor kept going, my back went, my, wow. my shoulder, you know. And, and you think in retrospect that was a lot to do with the psychological stress that you, you felt? Yeah, I'm not saying that's the main cause, but, you know, it, it is shown that you can have psychological predictors can have mm. in predicting injury. And I'm not <laughs> saying that's the main cause because it's not just that. Yeah, but, but you can feel momentum in life as well, don't you? Get that thing where sometimes things, everything seems to roll for you, and then other times perfect. you get this in yeah. football, don't you? Where suddenly you, it just, just you feel like you're against everything's against you, and it feels hard work, doesn't it? And then I think yeah. you're more likely to get to pick up injuries and and colds and, and whatever else at that time. Yeah, you're right, and I just struggled. I didn't didn't enjoy it, and then it's funny enough, I my, uh, that season went back home, moved back home. Mm. Um, so I stayed up there for I was there for stayed up there for I was traveling for a bit and I spoke to Chris Wilde and he said look it'd be good if you moved up so I moved up you're traveling from London to Sheffield no I was traveling from um, where I am and now in Worcestershire oh okay yeah. up, um, so when I first went I was traveling up and then I yeah. moved up spoke to Wilde and I moved up and then um, he said it'd be best if you moved up so I moved up for six months mm-hmm. um, nothing really changed Tra- traveling can affect the injuries, can't it? So I remember Ryan yeah, I was on the train. I wasn't driving. Yeah, I was just getting the train. So it was, it was pretty straightforward to be honest. It weren't it weren't, weren't that far? It sounds far, but it weren't that far. Mm. And then moved back home, got back with my partner, and I went back for pre-season, and I felt brilliant, training really well. Um, did all most of the pre-season went on loan to Swindon because it was close to where I am now I thought yeah. right I need to get home my old Berry manager was there Dave Flickcroft uh, oh wow went there played 11 games set up 7 goals <laughs> and, and then I and then I got injured again oh and man and I was out and I didn't get back till 4 weeks till that season finished again so it was constantly non-stop stop start for two years so that was 2018 was it yeah i think so yeah yeah and then and then what the opportunity to come to cheltenham and i arose. thought you know what i need to go to my the, my, my my nearest club and then you know mrs was putting mrs was pregnant at the time 
Yeah. You know, I need to stay at home. I need to be at home. Yeah. I need to go somewhere where I'm happy, um, close to home. You know, I can see my missus every day. See, see my little one every day, and mm. it's not a coincidence Ed, that went up to Sheffield. It was weren't happy. Ended up getting injured. Mm. Went to, gone to Cheltenham. Happiest I've been, and I've played. In three years, I think I've played 110. I would have played a lot. Two years, two and a bit years I've been here, I think I've missed about 10, 10 12 games. Yeah, you're playing wing back as well. <laughs> so it's, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's been brilliant. It's, and has that been good? Has that been, do you feel like it's easy to maintain fitness when you're just playing, when you're in that rhythm of, of playing a couple of times a week? I know people bemoan the lack of games sometimes, but is there a sense of it keeps your body ticking over once you're in that, in that zone? Yeah, because I think you, as a footballer, you the main purpose of your job is to play on Saturday and Tuesday to win games of football. Yeah. And I think once you, you're you playing loads, like recently we've had loads of games, haven't we? And it's just been... Yeah. Just training's been non-existent, really. And to be fair, I'd rather play the games than, than train all the time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Rather, rather it be that way around. So yeah. it's just about recovery, minimal training, getting a little stimulus in you getting ready to prepare for the game on a Saturday. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a good, good way of looking at it. I think there's it, it, less decisions to make then, isn't there, in a sense? you just got a rhythm of, you know, you go into the game and you, you kind of, like you say, recover and, and prepare as, as best you can. What do you think in terms of, of that, that sort of what you're saying is basically it's important to be happy? And I wonder, do you think football's moved away from that? Society's moved away from that because we always value money and we always say, oh, a player should go to the club that pays them the most, that's in the most prestigious competition or whatever it may be but I always yeah. look back now and remember as kids criticizing people like Matthew Letizia for not leaving Southampton now you think well maybe he was onto something maybe he was just enjoying his yeah. life you think actually oh, that yeah. it's about prioritizing the right things isn't it and I, and I know so I'll give you an example of, of, of my situation there when I was at Sheffield United when Sheffield United it was uh, the most money I've been on yeah um, got promoted my money doubled, wow. um, and then, but in them two years, it was the unhappiest I've been. So, mm. I'm on I'm on the least money I've had in my career now. Yeah, is it is it and, gone down during COVID? Is that if you guys had to take? No, cuts? no, it stayed the same. The club have been yeah. brilliant, um, mm. but you know, I was on my most money I've ever earned. I was on happiest. Now I'm on the littlest money I've earned, but I'm the happiest. Yeah, but you're at home, you're in the area. At home, yeah. I see my little girl, see my missus every day. You know, I've got good people around me now uh, that I trust. You know, it's... That's yeah, great. Life, life's good, isn't it? I'm, I'm not wishing my football career away, but I can't sort of wait to see what the next step is, you know? And, and with that view in mind, now you've got the degree and you've kind of created a, a path in your head of where you might go. Is it, does it make you enjoy the football more and do you, do you appreciate it more? Once you turn 30, you start to, to maybe seize the day more? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's spot on. That's why, you know, that's why I've, I've always worked hard and I've always, because my obsessional side of me wouldn't, won't let me not work hard. Yeah. But you do relish and you do think, some, some days you think, oh, it's coming towards the end of it. You know, mm. Mm. Gaffer says you're a long time retired. 
you know, yeah. treat any game of football in any training session as it's your last. And he had a long career as well, didn't he, Michael Duff? He went proper into his late 30s. 39, 38, was he? 38? Yeah, I think so, around that time, yeah, but at Burnley. It was only four years ago, I think, he retired or so. There you go. And he's had some career, hasn't he? So, mm. Mm. whatever he says, if it's all right for the gaffer, it's all right for us, eh? Yeah, and he understands you guys as well, doesn't he? I mean, obviously, you've played higher up as well, but he... He played in all the divisions, didn't he? But for eight, eight levels of football, I think he's played up to the Premier League. So he kind of, he seems to have empathy for people of, of all backgrounds, which must be important as a manager. Yeah, he's, Gaffer's brilliant. Gaffer's, Gaffer's spot on with most, well, all the stuff that he does really. He's never too high, never too low. He's mm. consistent messages. Man management's brilliant. Um and it's not a coincidence he's doing well in his first manager's job. You know, to get us to the playoffs last year and we're now second in the league, you know, it's... And I'll tell you a little stat statistically, yeah. after teams have gotten the playoffs, most of them, I think that was five of them, if the next season finished, or three of them, or four... There's like three, four teams the next... Se- like, for example, Mantle, they got the playoffs one season, the next season... They were like seventeenth. Yeah, and, so it's a deflating effect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and there was one. It was at Stevenage, I think. Oh, then they ended up finishing near the bottom. There was someone yeah. else in the playoffs, ended up finishing near the bottom. And it's credit to the gaffer that that's not happened to us because we were no. in the playoffs last year. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but you know, it's our mentality as a club and the ethos that we have we will not allow that to happen because whether we win, lose, or draw. The messages are still the same. Yeah. Gaffer put the music on 45 minutes at a time. And you only win one half of football and what's put in front of you. Mm. And yeah, that never too high, never too low seems increasingly as I get older. Not that I'm being boring, but it makes you realize that is important, I think, in everyone's career. Because I think about, you know, in presenting, there are sort of metrics you can work on, like say stats, we can learn more knowledge about sports, we can get better at auto cue reading we can yeah. uh, get better at asking questions but it's very subjective and I think footballers is a sense like you can document it but a, a manager may prefer a left back to you or he may prefer you Chris to another left back and it may not be that obvious on paper why but it's a gut thing and you have to learn to not get too excited if someone thinks you're a great player or in my case a great presenter and not be too dejected if someone doesn't rate you you have to kind of create that equilibrium don't you I think is inside. Yeah create that homeostasis where you're just on a, mm. on a level playing field. And I think that's, that's so important. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and, 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 and that's key at what, what, what we've done. We've, so for example, last night, you know, Gaffer's come in and said, you know, if it, other managers I would have known would have been shouting, ranting and raving. He's just, well, you know what, that's, Sort of don't worry about it. We'll pick the bones out of it on Monday. It is what it is. Yeah. But we can't do nothing about it. We only can concentrate on what we can concentrate on. So live right, eat right. Um, and then we go again Saturday. Mm. And in the media, we're obsessed with results and, oh, it's been four games since they've won or they've done X, Y, Z. But actually, I guess it's part of that equilibrium. It's been focused on the things you can control, the performance, isn't it? Not the result. Because he might, as you say, Michael might just say to you, well, you know, you've been done in the 95th minute. It happens. But these are the things that went well. These are the things we can work on. And it's not, it's not just that goal, is it? It's the rest of the performance, I suppose, you can analyse. Because performance breeds results. So you only can control the performance and you can't guarantee results. But yeah. if you perform well, you can increase your chances of winning the game. 
Because you can play rubbish and win, can't you? That's the exactly. weird thing about football, especially. Yeah. There you go. And we've done that many a times where we've grinded it out, you know, not played particularly well. And the perfect example is Carlisle away. Didn't play mm. particularly well, hard to beat, you know, you know, and, and that's a long, yeah, a long trip as well. Yeah, a long way as well. That is, that is literally other end of the world. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Whereabouts, whereabouts are you in Worcestershire, Chris? Because I grew up, I, well, I was born in London, but I grew up in uh, my secondary school in Malvern in Worcestershire. Oh, yeah, I'm not far from Malvern. Yeah, I'm like near Worcester. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, so the chairman lives in Malvern, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He lives just outside, I think. Um, uh, yeah, he lives near the, there's a maze just outside. I think he lives near there and sort of Malvern Linkway, I think he lives. Yeah. Andy, Andy Wilcox in that, in that kind of area. But he grew up around the corner from Modern Road, didn't he? So he's got a big, a big Cheltenham town fan connection I suppose and it's it feels like a very similar to actually to Cheltenham the whole area we used to come to Cheltenham shopping on a Saturday when we were <laughs> when we were teenagers yeah stuff like that if we weren't playing football so um always been always been connected to to this part of the world do you think you'd settle here afterwards do you feel like you've yeah I won't move it yeah that'd be me now I'll, yeah yeah I love it I love where I live I love it it's it's a far cry from where I've grown up I've, you know I've got a nice yeah. house I walk I look outside and I've got I look outside my uh, front, my, my lounge window. I can see sheep on the field. Yeah. It's like quiet. You know, it's nice. It's I've got nice neighbours. Everyone's really friendly. And and that, and that that's all I can ask for, you know. Uh, you know what I mean? I want my little girl to, you know, when you have kids, you always want them to have more than what you had growing up. And I think yeah. that's always stayed with me. And, mm. you know, it's a... You know, I feel like I'm, you know, when she gets a bit older, there's, she can create more friends and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a lovely place to bring the children up. The yeah, in, in, in our lifetime, I think London's become less and less accessible, really, even to people yeah. on, on, on good salaries. <laughs> because um, my aunt always says to us, oh, you know, you work at Sky. Why didn't you live in Ealing? And because we moved out of London when my daughter was born, we were living in Twickenham. But yeah. she, she always says to us, why don't you come live near me in Ealing? And it's around the corner from work. And I said... Well, your house, she lives in a three-bed terrace, is worth well, like about nine, eight, nine, hundred, yeah, nine, eight, nine hundred thousand pounds. You're like, okay, it, makes, that. it makes no you sense. Can, yeah. You can get a train into London. You can tra train's an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that what you do, Ed? You commute in? Well, I often drive to be fair. I, I quite often stay at her house if I'm working between shifts. So I do a late into a day shift. I'll stay at hers, but it's different in COVID because we've done slightly less shifts. So I haven't had to be in quite as much. And she also is in her seventies. So I've had to be careful about that in terms of staying over. Yeah. Um, so I've just tried, and we're actually getting tested sometimes at work now or can get tested. So I'm, it gives me a little bit more confidence now potentially to do that next year. I think maybe I'll, yeah. I'll start staying. Do you, you, you live in Cheltenham, Ed? I do. I do live in, yeah. in the middle of Cheltenham. Actually we live in a, it sounds, we live near the centre, but it's not as prestigious. as We actually live in a kind of a three-bed a three red brick semi, but we were able to buy this off the back of a flat in Twickenham. So actually, it's nice. We don't, we don't live in a great Regency sort of facade kind of building, but it's just a nice, it's a nice combination, we find, Cheltenham, of, of having, in some ways, a sort of London feel in the centre, but then you've got the... Yeah, it does, side. doesn't it? Yeah, and you've got a relaxed, relaxed side to it as well. Because yeah. I, love, I love London so much, my family's from there, but it's, it's, um, it's just a challenge to live there, especially with a kid, as you say, living in a flat indefinitely, I think, for a period of time. If you're going to live inside the M25, it's, it's a big challenge. Where, where are the offices, uh, Ed? Are they in well, Ealing today? No, I drive because what? they're in Austerley. They're just off... Um, oh, yeah, I know what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Just near off, Brentford. 
Yes, yeah, just yeah. up from so basically just just north of Brentford, so the, just before Osterley Park. So it's um, the yeah. Gillette, Gillette Corner. Gillette Building, the Gillette Building. Yes, yeah, the yeah. old factory there. So that A4, yeah. that big big uh, junction there. So it's near there. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've always I've always sort of gravitated when I lived in London to sort of west southwest because I had family around that area. But London's a funny place, isn't it? Because people see it as like almost one contiguous place but when you're there it's like you live in your little pocket you often don't see people when they live literally north or south or east you kind of think oh it's too much of a journey to go and see them yeah and i suppose Ed, that's not that far from is it straight down the m4 past swindon and all that yeah i tell you what at the moment i do and it's probably a boring conversation for people who aren't motorists but what i do is uh, go a40 to oxford and then yeah. I go m40 either m25 or i cut down one of the roads through sort of west london through hounslow kind of way yeah, because, because the M4's got lanes closed and pretty much 50 miles an hour all the way from Swindon or yeah. roughly wow. Swindon Reading way to to London. So it's it's actually quicker to go, there, especially at the moment with the traffic slightly down. Because the key is just for me yeah. that that bit between Cheltenham and Oxford is not far, but if you get stuck behind a, a lorry or a lorry. tractor or something, you can yeah. uh, you can slow you up a bit. Um, but yeah, we just find I think that the balance of life is is good, and I think maybe the whole world's going to find that, isn't it? With one of the things with COVID, I guess, is that maybe central London will change because people aren't having to go in there so much to work. Because as you know, growing up, even if you're coming in from the suburbs, it's a it's a bit of a commute, isn't it? Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, be interesting. Yeah, how it all, how it all works out. But you're looking to get into teaching, are you, mate? Maybe. I am, Ed. Yeah, um, I am. I've just uh, just on a call before. I got off the phone to you to um, one of my old sports psychology lecturers. Yeah. Because I'm going to start an MSc in sports psychology in September. Oh, fantastic. Uh, wow, master's, mate. That's great. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to do that. And then I sort of have to do... Um, so I'll do that. I'll do a year's conversion course. Yeah. And then I'd have to um, then do two years supervised training. But that's to practice. I want to be a lecturer. So... Okay, you know, yeah. yeah, so what, we'll try and give that a go, you know what I mean? Yeah, so well, I University, of, University of Worcester's there. I guess they must have a department. Well, I mean, that would be perfect, Edda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Gloucestershire here in Cheltenham, not too far. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's the aim. So, you know, I can practice if I want. I'd love to help people. Yeah. Uh, what, what about working as a sports psychologist in football? Because they, a lot of the big clubs must have those people on board. Yeah, I will. I, I, I would like to do that. And I think the one that thing that stands me in good stead is that I was speaking to my friend as well, Dr. Baz. I think, I'm not sure if you've heard about him. Dr. Baz is Sheffield United Club doctor. Uh, okay, yeah. I've heard, I've heard some anecdotes, yeah. Yeah, he's um, he does like loads of research, got a PhD, writes loads of papers and is working with the EFL for a really intelligent guy. He's got about 20, about 29 degrees. So, yeah, he's got loads. So, if you know, he, he was telling me that I'll be really good and he doesn't know anyone that doesn't know any professional footballer that's become a sports psychology because, okay, they know the academic side, but yeah. you can't teach the actual real game to anybody. can't yeah. pay until you actually play it professionally. It's all right yeah. going down the park with your mates and, and stuff <laughs> like that. And yeah. that's, that's, not, that's not me being rude about people that are playing with their mates or no it's a different level of pressure it's a different level of there's pressure stress Mm. the day in the day out how the body feels what the manager's saying to you you know it's completely different so if i can combine the two the academic and the experience then that's priceless no 
Yeah, that, well, you've got the, the empathy to say to someone, I know how you're feeling, you know, just focus, yeah, exactly. focus, on, focus on your first pass, just execute it, whatever it might be. Because you, you, exactly. you have days... You have days where you just feel fearful, don't you, of going into your job and, and delivering, whereas you, you can coach them through those moments, I suppose, better than yeah. anyone else would. Yeah, and, you know, if, if, someone's, if two people said to me, and one was just a sports psychologist and done mm. all the education, and I still would listen to him, not, obviously he's, a, he's got an, he'd be a, a master in psychology, but if, mm. if I also had, on the other hand, someone that's played the game, I've got the same qualifications... I would rather naturally, I'm going to listen to the person that's experienced yeah. what I've experienced, but got the academic side of things. Well, yeah, because if they understand you, they understand exactly. the stresses, but they've come through them, whereas most of us have failed footballers. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, harder, it's harder for us to sell you the advice, I guess. Yeah, their advice is not going to be wrong, but I'm just saying that's another string to their bow. You know, that, yeah. that, that sets them apart from a standard university graduate, you know, and that not not saying that in in a bad way it's just no. that, that other person's got another string to the bow that you can't have and, and, and you won't be able to experience and listening to your story and reading first of all the, the piece with john and speaking to you today the difference is that you have a real passion for it because you can appreciate where say you know as you say you you, you became beset by anxiety in your early 20s if you got a footballer in a similar situation you can say and it will mean something to you to help them, won't it? Because we like helping people. 100%. I think they have the same problems as us. We, we want, we, in a way, we can correct our past by helping others avoid the, the same pitfalls. Spot on, Ed, and I think that's what, you know, if I can help one person, mm. um, I'll be more than happy. But I think I've got, I could offer a lot to sport and lecture. I think I could offer quite a bit, you know, especially going through what I've gone through played the sport got the academic I think I've been a real asset to a university or or, or or a club you know yeah I think so I think so too Chris quickly any any tips before before we go I've kept you a long time but on right. manage, on managing the anxiety and particularly the sleep I know people at the moment might be feeling high anxiety because of the lockdown pandemic yeah what do you do that are there rituals you do do you put your phone down do you, do you limit what? caffeine how do you approach what it I tend, what I tend to do at it if, if I'm getting anxious and you know, uh, feeling a bit anxious. I tend to do. There's a free. There's a technique called emotional freedom technique, which is EFT, mm. where you tap on the meridian points. Ah, oh, okay. And I just relax. I have a chamomile tea. I'll try and get, you know, stuck into maybe a book. Where are uh, the meridian points? Are they on your temples? Are they? No, there's one on the top of your head, one on yeah. the corner. There's inside of the eye, just where the eyebrow is, to the outside of the uh, eye, below yeah. the eye, above the lip below the chin and on your shoulders. And, and it really helps me. And I learned that from a clinical psychologist called Peter Leakey. Who uh, body and mind. So too. Yeah. yeah. And anxiety is just a central nervous system getting blocked up. So if yeah. you, can, you can just release the blockages, then, you know, it, it, it eases the anxiety. And, do, and do, are you tough with yourself? Like sometimes I've had this since lockdown where I, you know, my brother suffers from this more than me, but like where you'll think, did I lock the back door? And you yeah. go down and check it like three times. I mean, people, you know I what? guess, yeah. It, I have to video myself and I, and I shouldn't do it. I have to video myself every night, turn this stuff off. Really? And, Just to and, prove. And yeah. And it, it's not, because it's, it's a stressful time for me with me being out of contract, the pandemic. You yeah. know, it's a stressful time for everybody. Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, mm. it's 
it's a stressful time because it's all new. Uncertain, when, isn't it? Uncertain. We don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. where it's going. And it's just, you know, I know I shouldn't do it, but, you know, it's, mm. it's easier said than done. But, you know, as, as time is running, we get out of the lockdown and stuff like that. Maybe things will get a bit easier. But, you know, nobody would know that I would have to film myself, you mm. know. Well, it's very, I really appreciate you saying that because I think it will help people as well be, be aware of those silly little things we have. What I try and do as well is try and focus on them. You mentioned being mindful. I am doing this now because sometimes, like yeah. you say, you can be thinking about other things and not remember whether you've, because autopilot can help sometimes, but actually it can heed you if you're then doubting whether you've turned the stove off or locked the door or, or whatever, yeah. lock, lock the car or, you know, put, yeah. the, put the cat in or whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like when when you get anxious the your, your sort of blood leaves your amygdala in your brain and mm. it's sort of just it's, it gets stupid get, yeah <laughs> it doesn't function properly and you yeah. need, it's where you need constantly need reassurance but the worst mm. thing is getting reassurance because reassurance is only short term yeah you for about 20 minutes yeah and then you'd 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 go off and you'd end up checking it again but i just try and Focus on something, Ed. You know, read a book. You know, yes. I study. I still, I go night school at the minute. I do English and maths. So when I get a bit of time, I study. It keeps my mind busy. Mm. You know, I just try and stay as calm as I can and get stuck into things. Yeah, reading is good for me. If I come back from a late shift about two in the morning, I, I always try and read because TV. I could be up for hours. But I watch TV. I think it's uh, yeah. Reading yeah. reading seems to, to tire you out. But I, on the optimistic front, you mentioned the lockdown. I suppose, Chris. Fans hope we hopefully will come back relatively soon, won't we? And I think it'll make a big difference for clubs like Cheltenham in particular because they're talking the numbers they're talking of. Brilliant. And, and you know, I text uh, our secretary the other day, Paul Godfrey, yeah. just sort of saying, you know, thanks for everything. You know, it's I'm really pleased that you know the club are allowed to get fans back in and pleased for you and and, and the board as such. Which mm. you know, the, the club's been brilliant. We've received full pay. They've kept us in the loop. And I'm really happy that, you know, it's, it's going to ease the pressure off the club. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy for man. And, you know, I'm happy for the supporters because yeah. I can imagine how hard it would be for them on a Saturday sitting at home twiddling their thumbs mm. you know, in a yeah. lockdown. Might have lost their job. They might mm. only use football as they're releasing. They can't even do that. So absolutely, I'm excited. I'm excited for the fans to come in. I can't wait. And I'm excited for the fans and I'm pleased for the club. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic for particularly League Two clubs. Talking about maybe 1,800 at some point. That's going to be a significant amount of, of regular exactly. Cheltenham goers. And I think when the, when the gates are open wholeheartedly, I think we'll maybe see the numbers soar a little bit because people appreciate it more and want to get behind the local club. But Chris, really appreciate your time. It's been, it's been fantastic. And we'll follow your story as well. And if, 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 you, if you do want to publicise some of the issues and, and stuff, let me know more and I can, I can pass on to, to Sky Sports News planning team as well, for sure. Yeah, no, that, Ed, honestly, yeah. If I could help as many people as I can, it would be great. I think, you know, I would love that. I would love to help as many professional footballers as I can. Mm. And even people in general. Yeah. You know, just helping people and just making them aware of, you know, just because, you know, I play football doesn't make me exempt from other things. And if you're not okay, it's okay not to be okay. You know, yes, it, that, that, that's the key message. Speak out. Mm. Yeah, and have a, and, and then like I say, get advice and get a plan of, of how to cope with it. You're definitely doing that, Chris. Well, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Chris. Pleasure having you on the podcast. No worries, Ed. Thanks for your time. Really enjoyed that powerful conversation. So candid and open there, Chris Hussey. 
um, when you meet him as well in person. And I gave him that match, Man of the Match award last year. I think he was uh, cheesed off a little bit because obviously lost the game to Oxford United, I think, in the EFL Cup last winter, early stages of 2019. And uh, I had to give the Man of the Match award to a Cheltenham player. He's probably the best player on the pitch, actually, even the fact, despite the fact that Cheltenham lost. But uh, he's very deep, deep wells there, isn't he, in terms of his, his thoughts and his analysis and um, his candour about everything. I think it's, it's interesting, that stuff about filming, making sure that he's locked doors, etc. I think we can all identify with that. People particularly, I think, when you get anxious and people have been anxious at the moment, you, you lose that ability to be mindful and conscious, don't you, because you're distracted. And I think it can resonate with a lot of us, not maybe to the extreme experiences that he's had. But the fact, I think, that he's been able to, throughout the what means, carry on to adapt, to be practical. And that wisdom about the importance of getting the whole picture right, of, of happiness in your life and your setup, whether it's your loved ones, your family, whatever it might be, I think, and how that impacts then in your ability to perform at work in whatever work you do is, uh, is significant, isn't it? Sometimes we disregard that when we analyse whether transfers have worked in football when players have come from abroad. Huge one always sticks with me as a Manchester United fan was Angel Di Maria, who got burgled in, in Manchester, didn't settle, and now still playing fantastically. The Paris Saint-Germain all these years later, you always rue you know, that as a Manchester United fan, but you think it was just not right fit for him as a human being. It wasn't anything necessarily about football, and albeit the football club was uh, in a bit of a malaise following Sir Alex Ferguson leaving in 2013. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that with Chris Hussey. Let me know and uh, please rate it on iTunes or whatever format you're listening to on the podcast. Spread the word to your friends and family, whoever might be interested, would appreciate that. Thank you uh, to Chris very much. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. And remember, looking if you are looking to optimize your immune systems, optimize your selenium, zinc levels, whatever it may be, fish oils, uh, glucosamine, uh, head to cytoplan.co.uk, food-based supplements based uh, not far from here. And you can get a 10% discount with my code DRAPER10RDRAPER, all capital letters, the numbers one zero, and then the capital letter R. I think it's 30% off your initial purchase and then 10% there on in. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, get in touch with me on social media if you would like to. Ed Draper 81, Ed underscore Draper 81. And hello at drapermedia.co.uk is the email address to let me know uh, any guests as well, any feedback, any guests that might be of interest. Um, very much just interesting people here. And that's not necessarily high profiles is my angle. Just people are good to talk to. But thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a good rest of the week.